I, I thought to myself as COVID, all this COVID stuff was like, wow, I think this is legit. This is serious. You know, I found myself thinking, I bet Joe's got like, he's all set up. <laughs> I wonder what Joe's doing in this, you know, he probably is not even panicking because he's already been set up for this, you know, so is, would that be a fair ass assessment? <laughs> you know, it definitely was, well, uh, honestly, I was not caught off guard at all. This is something I've been following since January, number okay. one. And I was not as set up as I was on the homestead there oh, okay. in Illinois. That's for sure. You know, there it would have been like quarantine schmorantine. This is great, you know. You are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches, a resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Dad in the Trenches. This is Aaron, and a special welcome to any of our new visitors that are finding the podcast for the first time. Special welcome to you, and I hope that you enjoy today's episode and any past episodes you may choose to listen to. As always, a huge thank you to all of our longtime dads in the trenches that are listeners. Uh, we even recently just did a um, Father's Day giveaway contest and uh, just really blown away by the responsiveness of a lot of our dads and um, uh, just really appreciate you. hope you guys enjoy the gear, those of you that won. And, um, you know, today is a, um, today's bittersweet. Uh, this episode is bittersweet. Uh, I recorded this episode in the spring of this year with today's guest, uh, Joe Prim. Um, you know, since having recorded, Joe has decided to shift his time priorities. So he is going to be laying down uh, his work and what he's done with both podcasts and uh, his work on social media uh, group um, that he's done with men. Uh, he's just done a lot. And, um, you know, it's always, I, I totally understand the pressures and the priorities of life. And um, it's, but it's always, uh, it's always bittersweet. Uh, I'm happy for Joe that he is shifting priorities and doing what he needs to do in life, and also um, at the same time sad for some of his listeners and followers and people that he has been in touch with. Um, I always really appreciate just his boldness to follow his convictions, uh, even if they're unpopular. So uh, today's episode is bittersweet, and I'm glad I get to bring it to you now at this point has even so much more meaning and value um, for just knowing Joe and what he's done. So um, we're going to do a salute for Joe at the mid-break and send him off on his way. So that's all I have for right now. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, God bless you. And let's jump over to today's episode. Thanks for joining us here today on Dad in the Trenches. My guest is Joe Prim from Ever Vigilant. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to hang out with you for a little while. 
Yeah, it was good. We got to do this last year uh, on Ever Vigilant, and man, that was a lot of fun and uh, good to, to just get to know you some, and 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 now get to flip the tables and talk to talk to Mr. Prim. So this is awesome. So uh, talk to us just a little bit, Joe, for those that may not know you. Um, you know, introduce yourself, um, what you do presently, your seasonal life, family dynamics. Yeah, I I am father of two kids, and I'm got a great wife that is supportive and man is is a huge part of the reason why I get to do fun things like this like hang out with Aaron and <laughs> uh, do my podcast ever vigilant that I've been doing for man I think almost four years now right around four years and awesome. just um, awful close to putting out the 200th episode so oh, man, that's that's, awesome. um, that's kind of cool yeah. so really ever vigilant is based on challenging, encouraging men to prepare, defend, and lead. And so for me, that's kind of not just a mantra I, I try to throw out there with uh, the podcast and kind of a, a slogan is really kind of a way of life for me. Yeah. So um, talk to us just a little bit about, you know, your, your background growing up. Um, I'm curious to hear, you know, I mean, obviously this is dad in the trenches, so we're curious about fatherhood stories, you know, did you have a dad in the picture? What was that influence life? But also you know, getting you to where you are uh, particularly passionate about preparing, defending, and leading, you know, what led you up to that as well? Man, I grew up in a very, very strong Christian household and thinking about George Bailey's dad and It's a Wonderful Life, where when George has that that question about the possibility of, of the drugs being tainted, where's the first thing he does? He runs right to his dad because his dad will know the answer and his dad will be able to guide him in the right direction of what he should do. And that's how my dad was growing up and, and still is to me to this day. We still regularly talk on the phone and my parents took Christianity very seriously and they lived it out in a day by day, everything that they did, how they talked, how we treated one another was all expected to be consistent with those values that we said we upheld. And my parents were not afraid to go against the status quo, it really in anything, whether it was the general public or whether it was people at church that they could have disagreements with. So my life growing up was really an adventure. I mean, we moved a lot. We did a lot of things that other people didn't do. Um, homeschooling. I mean, I was homeschooled before anybody even knew what in the world homeschooling <laughs> was. Um, I have adopted brothers and sisters. And then when I was 17, my parents decided that we were going to move down to Guatemala or felt that God had called them to go down to Guatemala and run an orphanage. Wow. So we packed up everything that we had, sold most of the things that we had. And my dad and I drove down with a van and a trailer and I ended up spending the next couple of years living down there in Guatemala and getting having the opportunity to experience life in a third world country and be more than just a, you know, a week. Yeah. Um, so my family was different than a lot of traditional families. Sure. And a lot of people probably would think that that would be a negative. Um, but the reality is, Everything is what you make of it. And for me, it's a gigantic positive because mm -hmm. then when I felt the calling of God on my life, 
it's not something new to me. It's not something different. It's not, it's not anything strange that there might be sacrifices attached to the things that are expected of us. Yeah. So my childhood growing up was a challenge always, but there was always a consistent rock of my dad and his beliefs in the direction that the family was going to go in. Being in Guatemala for so long, do you, um, do you speak Spanish or fluent? You know, once you spend time living in a foreign country and I went to language school when I was down there and we had, I had private um, Spanish teachers and so I can still speak Spanish, but once you kind of get immersed in that and you start to hear what <laughs> fluent would really be and what yeah. the word fluent really means, um, <laughs> man, that, that, that's a different level. That's a different level of commitment than I ever had when okay. I was down there to learn. Gotcha. You, you, at the very least, you can make your, make your way around. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us now. Fast forward. You know, married, fatherhood, you know, give us a little bit of your in the trenches story of, you know, learning to be a dad, balance work, you know, spiritual life, you know, share with us maybe some, the good, the bad, or the ugly of, you know, some things you've had to overcome or two or three things you've learned now as a father. Well, you know, as I just kind of talked about with my parents and feeling God's calling on your life and not being afraid to do or go in the direction that you feel like you should go in. Um, last year, last summer, we packed up and left our homestead back in our home state where my wife had grown up and I had worked for the last 20, 25 years there. And we had a nice little homestead, just two and a half acres, but we had chickens and ducks and rabbits and goats and dogs and all sorts of cool stuff. And we left all that, sold all that and moved down to Texas. And what exactly we'll do, we're doing here, we'll, we'll find out. But when we first got here, there was just a lot going on. I had just started a new job. We were trying to find a, a new place to live. And even coming down here, we had spent a week with my parents because my parents had just got back from the mission field. So we wanted to spend a decent amount of time with them, let them have some time with their, their grandkids. So from the moment we left, there was a lot going on. Hotels every night. Then we stayed with my, my sister and her, her husband for a little while. So there was always a lot going on. And then when I started my new job, I was working a lot of hours. Yeah. But there was one thing that was going on that I was not paying attention to. And that was my kids were always talking about how much they missed all the things that they had given up. It kind of came up out of the blue, I think because we had been so busy and so occupied with so many different and new things for so long. Yeah. So when this came up, I really ignored it for, for quite a while. Mm. I was working, I was in the middle of so many different things as the leader I had taken a total focus of being further away from the situation of what needed to be done. How can we get these things moving forward? How can we get settled in and had taken a real wide angle view of everything that was going on and this consistent complaining. And for me, I hate complaining, but <laughs> it, it got consistent enough. And I, and I really pretty much just ignored it or kind of blew it off or kind of threw it back at them and, and never really fully accepted it. 
until maybe things slowed down enough for me to where I finally came to the place and the realization that, you know what? They did make a huge sacrifice. They left a lot of friends. They left their dogs. They left cats and rabbits. And I think the big kicker for them was leaving the two and a half acre property that we had where they could climb trees anytime they wanted and play in creeks and run and play and make up stuff. And I came to the realization that I had totally blown off and overlooked how difficult that was for them. Hmm. And the fact, and I had not acknowledged the fact that they had actually had made a tremendous sacrifice. Hmm. And so I needed to um, have that conversation. So we had that conversation and I, you know, let them know that I understood where they came from, that I apologized for blowing it off or playing it off as if it wasn't a big deal um, because I had other things that I was concerned about, but they were right. They had made a big sacrifice that they had given up a lot in order for us to come someplace that they didn't feel a calling to come to. They came along because that's part of the package. That was good. I needed that and they needed that. It wasn't even a new, it was a lesson that I should have known already. It was a lesson that I've experienced already, but there was so much going on that I I completely missed something that was so obvious right there. And I'm I'm glad I noticed it when I did and didn't leave that continue to go forward because there needed to be that type of closure and that kind of acceptance of, of what they had done. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you're, you're hitting all around just the key idea of communication and uh, even in change, how to communicate and communicate with all those involved and quote unquote stakeholders, even if they are in our family, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. And man, I, I mean, just as well, picking up and moving like you did, that that's never easy. And, um, you know, following where you feel like you need to go is, man, bravo. Being able to model the courage to do that, especially when it's a, a beloved place, you know, that's that's never easy. I know for some of our listeners, maybe being on a homestead and do it, you know, doing your, I don't know. Well, now with all the COVID stuff, who knows? A homestead may sound more appealing to some people than, uh, than not, but uh, <laughs> well, we, we'll get into that for sure. Um, you know, let's first, let's just talk some more about, um, you mentioned podcasts and Ever Vigilant and, um, you know, uh, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. You know, why did you start Ever Vigilant? You know, what's the, the idea behind, behind your work and what you feel called to to put out there and share with guys. So the podcast really came out of me coming to a place in my life of realization that I needed to make some changes and needed to um, step into the role that God had created for us as, as men to, to take on. Um, I had really, I mean, work was good, great wife, healthy kids, from the outside, looking at what I had going on, I think everybody would have, you know, thought things were great. But I felt that there was something that was lacking. I felt like I had kind of come to the edge of a cliff and I had, I had done what I wanted to in my career and had done what I had wanted to accomplish in my life. And was that it? was now my life just revolved around playing video games on, on the weekends and fulfilling my family duties and 
going to work. For a long time, when I asked myself that question, is this it? The answer would come back, yeah, this is, this is it. This is what everybody else is doing. It's not about enjoying your life or, or getting this stuff out. It's about doing what you need to do. And you committed to this career line. You committed to doing this um, and having these kids. This, this is it. What ended up happening is I, I started to really pray for, for wisdom and for direction. God started opening up my eyes to different things that I hadn't noticed or hadn't quite seen before, or put two and two together before. And as that started to happen, I started to realize that, you know what, I do want to make some changes here. The, the status quo, the way I've been living, the way everybody else is living, we gotta live to a higher standard. We have to be disciplined and, and reality is, we need to be trying to become the best that we can be. That's what God, that's what in the, the story of the master and the, the talents, it was expected that those men did the best that they could possibly do. The guy who, who just sat on what he was given, he got worse than nothing. He got kicked out. <laughs> so this, there's not a lot of um, gray area in that story when you read it that way. Yeah. The people that did the best they could with everything that God had given them were blessed immensely. The guy who just took what God had gave, given them and sat on it got worse than nothing. He got kicked out. Along those lines, I started really focusing on reading my Bible every day, getting up early so I could pray, so I could exercise, so I could have some time to um, plan through my day. And another big change was um, how I spent my commute time, started listening to podcasts and listening to um, audiobooks that would expand the way that I could think things through and expand the way I looked at things. And one morning when I was thinking through what, what, what the day could bring and, and the changes that were going on in my life, the, the thought open came into my mind. And it really kind of was could have just been a random thought, but I turned it into to more. And that was, I started to realize that the reason why I could have a lot of these changes that were going on in my life was because I had opened up my mind to a new possibilities and new opportunities that I hadn't seen before. And then as I started to ponder, wow, you opened up your mind, you also need to open up your eyes to see things. And you got to open up your ears and you got to be able to open up your mouth to express where you're at and how you feel about certain things. You got to be able to open up your heart to those that you care about and truly love and not just keep them on that surface level. And you have to open up your, your arms to meet new people, to embrace um, the different people that come into your life from time to time. And as I started to kind of think this through and these ideas started to flush themselves out, I got thinking, you know what, I, I, I want to share this with people because this is helping me. This became like a daily prayer of God help me to open my mind and open my eyes and open my, my ears to, to listen and open my mouth to speak truth and open my heart to, to those that I love that it would, it would be more than just the least amount that I can give. And that I would open up my arms because I'm a real introvert. So opening up my arms was huge to understanding brotherhood and our need for one another. And so I got to this point where I was like, man, this is helping me 
these, these six little things are really tremendously helping me get a better grasp on these changes I'm making in my life. And I was like, how? Oh, I can't write a book. <laughs> there's, there's no way I can write a book. But I was like, but you know what? I could do a podcast. I think I could do a podcast. And I intended on, on doing eight episodes, an intro episode, one episode kind of diving into each of the, those, um, the principles of open, and then one like review kind of final episode. And I would check out and I would be off the air. Thank you very much. And I got to the end of it and man, it just, there was always that kind of burden there to no, I want you to keep going with this. And then that led to some real prayer for direction. And that was when really the idea came forth of um, prepare, defend, and lead and having building a, a, a podcast that was built and designed for men to encourage and challenge them in those three areas. Yeah. And that was, that was kind of when, when that, that part of the, or the real mission of the podcast changing into ever vigilant when that happened. Yeah. I'm curious too, you know, I always like to directly or indirectly ask, ask questions around, you know, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus or what does it mean to be a man of God? You know, do you, would you filter that answer through those three things or would you answer that differently? No, I think it's filtered through, for me, it's filtered through those three things. I don't think our role as men, as fathers, as leaders has changed since Adam was created. I don't think what God expects out of us has changed one bit. Some things changed with, with Christ and in, in the resurrection and salvation through Christ. Right. But the, the reality is what's expected out of us today is no different than what was expected out of Abraham what was expected out of Moses or what was expected out of Joshua. I mean, really anybody in the Bible, men had a certain God-given natural role to play in culture and society. And I think that that's it. Prepare, yeah. defend, and lead. That's good. So let's unpack those a little bit more. Uh, prepare, defend, and lead. And I want us to talk about the COVID pandemic, but also uh, maybe we could We'll, we'll come back to that um, for prepared, defend, and lead, but just big picture. Um, unpack those for us. What does that mean? For me, prepare is to do what you can as a husband, as a father, as a leader, to put your, the people that you care about, the people that you are in charge of, in the best position possible to succeed. That takes preparation whether it's a game plan for a football game or whether it's a battle plan for going into war or a skirmish, you have to have a plan in order to be prepared. Now, are things always going to go according to plan? No, but that is why preparedness, being prepared is so important. You know, there, there's goofy connotations or the way people might look at at preparedness um, and just think it's stocking up on food. But for me, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. For yeah. me, it's not just, 
having a pantry that's overflowing with beans and rice or, <laughs> or any of that. It's really kind of a, a lifestyle or a way of looking at things. Um, I'm reading a great book right now called Fear is Fuel. And one of the concepts in this book falls perfectly into line with preparedness. The theory laid out in this book is that all fear comes from the unknown. So if you have not experienced something in your life or you have not imagined something in your life, then when it happens, you have fear. Your first reaction is going to be fight or flight. The other part of that too is if you have never experienced anything or never think through what the possibilities are on the other end, you have more fear of that happening, whether that be losing a job or or getting injured or things like that, the more that you process it through, the more that you prepare yourself for things that are possibilities, the better place you put yourself in for making good decisions should something happen. It goes the same thing with right, why, why you would take a CPR class or a stop the bleed class, right? Not that we expect or want any of that stuff to happen, but should it happen, we want to put ourselves in the best position possible to help out in that situation. I see it differently than just preparing or stocking up on things. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's a mental shift of um, walking through the paces, going through the possibilities of what could happen mm -hmm. and then setting up yourself in order to not just survive, but thrive in situations. Defend for me is we live in a country where we have what we need and for the most part it's a very peaceful place to live in fact it's so peaceful that it's very easy to be lulled into a an unawareness of what is actually happens around us on a daily basis so it is our responsibility as men as the leaders of our household to be able to to the best of our abilities to protect them to defend them but I want to bring it beyond just um, maybe I have a firearm or a baseball bat or to protect my family should, should there be an intruder. I believe that we need to turn our homes into a place of safety, a place of, and not, and when I say that, it, it's kind of been ruined by the whole safe, safe space idea, right. but the reality we need to make our homes into a place of refuge where our family are secure, where they can be confident, not just in their physical security, but just as much in their emotional security, in their confidence, in you as the head of the household, that you will provide for them, that you're going to protect them, that you have an idea of what's going on, that you actually care. So I think the defend part is way deeper than just the um, physical defense and is much, much, much deeper to the point where we need to um, be very active in making sure that our home is a place where um, we build each other up, where we support one another, where we are not afraid to show how much we care for one another, how, where we aren't afraid to, to share our fears, where we're not afraid to um, seek out the support of those in our family when we're going through a rough time. And I think that's important, especially for being a dad. Yeah. And then lead, 
man, leadership is lacking. Leadership is severely lacking these days and is needed and is a role that every guy who's listening to this podcast has the ability to step into. A lot of people think that there are only certain people are, are put in a position of leadership. Leadership has nothing to do with the, the corner office or how much you get paid or um, a position that's given to you by somebody else. Leadership is all about the way that you build relationships with others, the way that you demonstrate the character that you think is correct. Um, I really think that fatherhood is probably the most difficult place or most difficult example of, of real leadership. Um, and I think that it is the, the truest, most honest um, assessment of your leadership skills. So I think that for far, it's far too easy for men to get um, a big head or to think that, that that name on their door at work or the title that they have at work is about leading. And I think that the true test is how, how well your, your family follows you. Because at work, people are paid to listen to what you have to say. And in fact, in some places, and I, I laugh about this because you'll have people that will laugh at your jokes because you're perceived as the boss. Right. And I remember switching from just being the worker guy to being the boss, how much funnier I became in one day. <laughs> but the reality is if you tell a bad joke at home, nobody's going to laugh. And in fact, they're probably going to call you out on it if it's an awful joke. Your family, they know you. They're not going to buy into some false persona that shows up um, for meetings twice a week or likes to point fingers at, at the, on the job site. The reality is that won't work in your house. You can't just point your finger because your kids and your family, your wife, they know you and they know how you're contributing. They know how you care. They know how invested you are. They know how important they are to you. Being the leader of your household is something that I'm not going to say it doesn't come natural because I really think that it should become natural, but it's something that you really have to put the time and effort into doing. Just as if you were leading any place else or anybody else, you really need to be consistent with the things that you believe in. You need to speak with your kids and your wife. They need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. You need to give them room to speak, to share what's going on with them, what they think about things. If they think things are unfair, well, let's have a conversation. But I think that as a father, you also need to, to be a lot tougher and a lot more consistent than, than we see a lot of men being. Because a lot of men have tried to turn um, fatherhood into a friendship or fatherhood into a part-time gig because they send their son or daughter off to some coach to teach them how to pitch or some coach to teach them gymnastics versus them. So a lot of fathers have become more of either a chauffeur or a part-time father. I mean, I know guys who would work as much overtime as possible so that they could make sure that their son was in the right travel league. That's going in the wrong direction. 
you need to put yourself in a position to be the number one influence for them. And is that scary? Is that a difficult, tough role to, to put yourself into? Yeah, it is. But that's the role that you've been given. Yeah. That's what's expected of you. And that's whatever vigilance is about is about challenging and at the same time encouraging men to grasp onto that role that they've been given and do it to the best of their abilities and constantly be learning, constantly be evolving and constantly changing to become a better, more consistent version of what God wants us to be. All right, guys, I hope you are enjoying today's episode with Joe. And as I mentioned at the beginning, we here at the midbreak are going to send Joe off in true dad in the trenches style. Um, we are going to do an 11 gun salute in honor of Joe, the work he's done, and him signing off with the Ever Vigilant podcast and his work uh, that he's been doing. So, Joe, thank you so much for all that you've done. For the world of men and the interspheres, the intranet <laughs> of things, and uh, really appreciate you. It's been a pleasure getting to know you over this last year, and uh, I know um, there are a tremendous amount of guys out there who have been blessed, been equipped, been encouraged, been challenged by the work you've done, and uh, how you've poured yourself out to them. So we wish you well um, in your endeavors, and I know just because you won't be encouraging and equipping those of us here out on the internet of sorts, um, those you will be in contact with, with job and your daily life, will be blessed to know you and themselves will be equipped and challenged and by everything that you bring and everything that you do. So, my man, God bless. And um, here we go with the salute. Hey, Jumps. You know, Joe, you've, through the podcast and even social media and some things that you post, I would say you are a very much more of a polarizing voice, if you, if I could put it so. There's no gray areas with Joe Prim. It's black and white. Um, and that, that comes through in everything you do and you communicate. You know, um, maybe just talk a little bit about that. How do you, how do you see that? Where did, where did that uh, polarization come from? And, you know, what do you do when people come to you like, Oh, well, you're just not tolerant Joe or, Oh wow. Don't you feel like that's just a little extreme? You know, how, what's your response to that? I don't know that as Christian men, there's a lot of room for gray area. I, I think that there's a real problem with men that go to church consistently that have not spent time reading the Bible. 
Because when you open up the Bible and you start to read about who Jesus is and how he talked to the people in authority over him at that time, um, when you start to really kind of break down um, what happened at the temple where he flipped over the tables, I mean, he was upset about it and made his own whip. So it's not like it's not like he went in there and there was a fit of rage that overtook him. And he thought about and knew what he was going to do, why he was going to do it. There was no recklessness there. But yet, as a man, he did what he needed to do to rectify a problem and to prove a point. So for me, I think that there's way too much um, nice guy and nice guy in our um, our Christian thing just kind of has turned into meaning pushover. And there are a lot of Christian men that are very weak. And when you're weak like that, you really get to a point where then you lack confidence and you lack a purpose and you lack a drive and you lack a, an identity even of, of who you are. And I think that all of those things are so important and are really given to us in, in scripture of what is expected of us and being nice or being tolerant really isn't one of them. And you say, well, how do you respond when, when people ask you that? The reality is when you take a stand like that and you're not afraid to talk about these topics and talk about these issues, the amount of men that will actually come and confront you and talk to you about it are very, very few. There may be some that go behind your back and, and whisper. That happens. That's always going to happen. But the reality is, if you are confident in who you are, if you are confident in who you believe or what you believe as a Christian, and you are doing your best each and every day to follow the purpose that you believe God has given you, then it, it really kind of it means very little to me what everybody else thinks. I never want to be polarizing intentionally just to draw attention to myself. Sure. I want to be polarizing because I want men to get knocked out of this lackadaisical stupor that is so prevalent in our society and in our churches. I want men to wake up and realize the potential that God has put in them and the purpose and the reason that they are here. And it's not to just check in every Sunday morning for an hour. There's more to this than that. God expects and demands more out of us than, than just checking in at work just to put in the least amount of effort and time that we can into what we've been mandated to do. And a lot of people have this misunderstanding because it makes them feel better of the comfort zone being the dude on the couch with his Cheetos, you know, playing video games or watching <laughs> college football or whatever. And it's like, well, that's not me. I'm at church every Sunday. But the reality is every church on Sunday, you're sitting in your comfort zone. That has become your comfort zone. That is where you feel like you have, have maybe your shred of power or where you feel like you belong. And when that becomes your comfort zone, I don't care where your comfort zone is. When you develop a comfort zone, 
you need to intentionally get yourself outside of it so that you can face the adversity of being outside of it so that you can push yourself into a position to grow. Time after time when I go to church, I see so many men there that are apathetic zombies coming in there and they lack the confidence to, to do what needs to be done. And so for me, it's not being polarizing just, just for the sake of it or, or just to rile people up. I really want men to start to think outside of, of the little box that they've put themselves in and the little box that they've even put God into of, nope, this is this, we show up. I have this funny little theory of mine that most men, if you were to put like a, a tracking collar on them um, and see what they did every Sunday at church, that they would follow exactly the same pattern of where, where they go when they go in. They probably shake the same guy's hand every single week. Then they circle around a certain way, maybe shake another guy's hand, then go back to their seat. As soon as church is done, maybe head to the, to the bathroom. But I would imagine that there's almost an exact pattern every single Sunday because we get stuck in routines. We get stuck in comfort zone and we start to do the same exact thing over and over. Mm-hmm. And when you think that the only thing that's expected of you as a, as a, as a Christian man is to show up at church every single Sunday and drop off your kids on Wednesday nights and make sure that they get to college and you get to retirement. We've lost something there. We've lost our real purpose, our real mission. We've lost our, our understanding of, of history and those who died, who gave the ultimate sacrifice, so many who gave the ultimate sacrifice in order for Christianity to keep moving forward, that, you know, at times Christianity was growing up out of the blood that was spilt of the martyrs. My thought on confrontation or whatever because of maybe my polarizing posts or how direct I am in my podcast is kind of we can argue about that. We can talk about that stuff when we get to heaven. There's too much to do right now. That's good, Joe. That's good. And I want to now just pivot for a second and then talk about, you know, the COVID pandemic that's going on. We're recording this now in the spring of 2020, smack in the middle of the COVID pandemic and how it's affecting uh, the United States. You know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, prepare, defend, and lead as it's applied to you and your household uh, through all this. What I have seen from this pandemic more than anything else is fear. There is a lot of fear right now. Fear of the unknown, a fear of losing work, a fear of losing loved one, fear of getting sick, fear of finding toilet paper. There's fear of all sorts of things <laughs> that um, a, f- a few short months ago, weren't fears that anybody had ever faced their entire life. And the reality is we are kind of almost back to living in reality. People all around the world, all around the globe, every single day, don't know where they're going to get their next food to eat or whether they're going to have job or whether their crops are going to come up correctly. These are things that we've been shielded from for a very, very long time. But when we go back to fear, like I had talked about before about preparedness, preparedness is as much 
about physical, about stocking up on, on food and items that you think you might need, but is also a big part of the mindset and the mental clarity of, of thinking about these things. And these are ideas and scenarios that I have played through in my mind. And you can play that off and say, hey, well, that's because you're a goofball and, you know, <laughs> you, you think about things in a different way than other people do. And that very well might be. But I had put out a podcast, I think, early February. And I had mentioned in that podcast that I had gone to Home Depot with my daughter to get some things pre-COVID. And this was before there was any rush before there was any big deal, before there was any panic, said, you know, we just went and we picked up a few things and, you know, just some face masks. They were still available. You could still get Lysol's on the shelf. There's still bleach. There was still, um, still Lysol wipes. So we picked up this stuff and we talked about it together, me and my daughter. And we, and I explained to her that we're prepared we're not scared. We're not worried about what the possibilities of what happened, but we are going to do the best that we can to prepare ahead of time. And then you fast forward a couple of weeks from there and none of that stuff was available at all. Yeah. Also, you know, we have food stocked up. We have different things like that, that we, we have stocked up that we even brought from the homestead. And the other day I opened up a, a bucket five gallon bucket that I found in the garage. I think I was going planning on using it for something else and it had a lid on it. I popped it open and there were four or five hand pumps of um, hand sanitizer that I probably bought two years ago when they were on sale for 99 cents. <laughs> if you have some foresight and think through what are some things that would help out or be of use should we be in a situation where there's a snowstorm and we can't make it to the store or there's a hurricane or a tornado and we can't make it to the store or something else happens? Maybe your car breaks down or two cars break down or you lose your job and now you only have one vehicle and your spouse has got to go to work and they're, they're working overtime. So there's not a lot of time to shop. If we think through these things, we can start to realize that, man, it makes a lot of sense to have a couple weeks worth of food around here. What if we get snowed in? What if there's a, you know, a bad storm and a, and a big tree falls across the road and you know, we're living in this rural area, who knows how long it will take them to, to get that cleared out. But if we start to just think rationally about some of these things, we can start to say, yeah, you know what? It, it wouldn't hurt to have a little bit of extra of this or a little bit of extra of that. Instead of get so caught up in the fact that the stuff that we need or that we want will always be there. And that rolls us right into defend. Mm -hmm. And the reality is none of these fights over toilet paper or any of these other things surprise me one bit. Because the reality is human beings will always revert back to self-preservation. And when you live in a society of people that has had everything they want at a moment's notice, whenever they want it, they're not just looking to preserve their life from death. They're also looking to preserve their way of life. Hmm. 
So it, it didn't really surprise me one bit about that stuff. But the reality is, if people are going to get that aggressive over um, a 24 pack of toilet paper, <laughs> if things get worse, where do things go? Right. And we're starting to get to that point now where there's enough people out of work. Everybody got their one stimulus check without even a promise of another one on the horizon. The food banks are starting to overflow with people. We've seen the pictures of lines of cars miles long, not allowed to go to work in order to buy their own food, forced to beg for food by going to a food pantry. In some of these places, if these food pantries or people get pushed to a, a more difficult spot, things could get turned into a situation that none of us would want to see, but could get, could get very, very ugly very, very quickly. And we hope and we pray that that stuff doesn't happen. But the reality is, in the Bible, when people prayed about things, they then acted on those things, on the wisdom that God gave them. So we can't, as Christians, just fall back on, well, I'll pray about it. God wouldn't let that happen. I believe that he puts those thoughts in our minds, especially as men, to need to understand that self-preservation and a, a preserving a way of life is very, very important to people who have never experienced hungry. We're not talking about Poland here or Russia, where people have gone through difficult periods of time where food was hard to come by, you know, um, we're dealing with people who have always had what they needed when they needed it. And people have, have a very difficult time looking at things any different than the way that they were or the way that they expect them to be. So that, that goes into defend and lead, man, now is the time to lead. All those fake leaders, all those people that thought they were leaders, they are all scared. They're all hiding in their closets because they don't know what to do and they don't know what's going to happen next. And fear is overtaking them. Now is your opportunity to step up in confidence that you have in Christ, right? We're Christians here. We know that nothing's going to happen to us that isn't preordained and going to be allowed to happen. That gives us a different confidence level. That gives us a different way of looking at everything that's going on around us. When the Bible says you have not been given a spirit of fear, that means that we should not have any fear. He says, but of power, power. That's not like just some little word that's tossed in there normally in, in, in the scriptures. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That means because we don't have fear that we can think things through and make good decisions. Because when you make decisions and you're fearful, you make bad decisions. When you make decisions without fear, you can make good, clear, decisive decisions to put your family in a position to thrive, not just survive. I think like I did take my daughter to the store, we go, we talk through these things. 
we were on quarantine here in our house before there was even, it was even recommended or mandated. And we talked through these things. So there isn't, a, I don't have a house full of people that are fearful or worried. They have a father that they know is prepared to defend them. There's food in the cupboards. There's, um, they've known since they were young why we had food set aside for an emergency. Well, all of a sudden now, here's the emergencies that dad was talking about. And these are the things that he said that we needed to be prepared for. Okay, I understand. But there's always that upping up that level. Then if you're going to be the leader, then it's this, then it's, Hey guys, we need to take care of this, or we need to consolidate this. We need to take this to the next level. We need to, to go through this. And I involve my kids and my wife and all of that. You know, when, when this thing first kind of started and going down and I wasn't really sure what we had all brought with us from, from the homestead for, for fruit supplies. So what did we do? We took out the couple of crates and we started to go through it and we did an inventory. Well, that allowed my daughter not only to participate with me in this, but mm. also allowed her the opportunity to see for herself, hey, we do have some food set aside, which could give her the confidence to be an 11 year old girl and just enjoy and go and draw some pictures because she has confidence that, you know what? I at least know that we're going to eat today and tomorrow and probably the next day. And my dad has a plan and we'll stick to his plan. And that gives them the confidence to just go on and go ahead and be kids and not be consumed with a fear that's going to debilitate them. It's good. So as we kind of uh, come into wrapping up, uh, just a couple of questions for you. Um, you know, two things. One, uh, what encouragements would you give all of our dads in the trenches out there? And then two, with that, what challenge would you give to our dads in the trenches? I think you've already been laying down some challenges with the things you've been <laughs> sharing, but, you know, anything specific, both, both encouragement and challenge. Yeah, for an encouragement, the reality is, even if you have been a absolutely awful dad, even if you're looking at yourself in the mirror going, man, I have failed. I am, have messed up so much as a father. Kids are resilient and forgiving. Be honest with them. Let them know that you've messed up. Let them know that you feel like you have failed to be the father that they needed. And then move forward every day trying to become that that father that your kids need that solid rock that they need that they can lean on no matter how bad you think you've done so far there's always tomorrow they will always be your kids that bond can never be broken you got this and then for for a challenge man i really think that it is time for men to step up into their role. Stop pointing your finger and expecting your wife or the neighbor or the coach or the children's church pastor or your pastor or anybody else to take care of the role that God has given you. And if you step up and pray and make it a focus to to make the changes that need to be made, the sky's the limit. Everything can change very, very quickly if you put your mind 
um, and your heart into being the father that your kids need. Thank you for that, Joe. That's great. Um, so just as we kind of wind down, uh, remind us and tell us how our listeners can connect with you and more of what you're doing. Yeah, you can go to my website, vigilantwolf.com. And I have some gear on there, uh, trauma kits and, um, different belts from a couple of different, uh, Christian vendors that I work with. I also have blog posts or articles up on that website from some, um, really great Christian guys who have allowed me to post their articles up on my website. They will challenge you and they will encourage you and they will, um, they will help you see things in a different light. Really good guys, solid, solid men that I, I have good relationships with and trust. Um, and then on there too, you can get the full archives of uh, my podcast, Ever Vigilant. If you go back to the past archives for a long time, I was doing interviews with a lot of great uh, podcasters and entrepreneurs and authors and pastors and had a Navy SEAL on and um, security experts and all sorts of different people that um, I used to, to interview. I've kind of taken a break from that or kind of veered off in a different direction, just kind of um, put out there each week, kind of my thoughts on things. I, I, I had just done a series on, um, your responsibility to prepare, and then an episode on defend and lead, where I kind of get a little bit deeper into um, what we're talking about here. So you can find you can find that podcast other than on the website. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else. Yeah. We'll link it up in the show notes for sure as well. So that's great. And just before we go, would you just take a minute and would you pray for uh, pray for us, pray for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this technology to speak with brothers, um, potentially all over the world, to just be able to share what's on our heart, to challenge one another, but at the same time, really to encourage one another. Please help this message, Lord, to fall on minds that are ready to hear something new, to think things through, and not just to listen to this as entertainment, but to take the bits and pieces of, of what we talked about here um, that are relevant to them into their lives and adopt them and, and to help them become the fathers and the husbands and the leaders that, that you so desire them to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Joe, man, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. God bless. Thanks again for having me. I really do appreciate this opportunity. Thanks for listening. For more content and resources, check out the website at dadinthetrenches.com or on social media at Dad in the Trenches. And be sure and click on subscribe to stay up to date with new podcasts. Walk out the heroic fatherhood you were called to live.